Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. My name is John Pronich, and I am your host. And I'm pretty excited about today's episode, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. So it was about 10 a.m. in California when I linked up with Amobi Akugo, and we linked up on Skype. I was sitting at my desk in my bedroom, and I had all of my notes in front of me. But he seemed to be on the go during most of the interview, and I got the sense that he was walking and talking. And at one point, I could hear an elevator, and later, I could hear the sound of him entering his hotel room. Uh, I thought it was pretty normal, actually, because it was game day for him and his Portland Timbers teammates. And I knew that they had just traveled from the West Coast to go face off against one of MLS's newest franchises, Minnesota United. But we started off the conversation uh, with a little bit about his game day rituals. And one of those being two phone calls that he always makes in a very specific order. First, a phone call to his mom. And then second, a phone call to his dad. And we talked a little bit about his parents as well. And his parents are both from Nigeria. And Amobi and I talked a little bit about what it was like growing up with foreign-born parents. We found some common ground there, actually. And we swapped a couple of stories about visiting the places where our parents were born. And what it was like to go there for the first time. And what it was like growing up and trying to figure out some of the weird traditions and behaviors. Um, But later we got on the topic of Amobi's involvement with the United States Youth National Team. And it started with me asking him how he actually made the team to begin with, because he was involved with the team from the U14s all the way to the U23s. And then he was out. And I asked him what happened after Olympics and why he was no longer involved. And Amobi tried to paint the picture for me. He said, there are guys that have been with the national team for years and have become key players. There are guys that have gone through the same cycles, but are just a couple of years older. And you have to be in good form with your team. He wasn't making excuses. I don't want you guys to think that. He he just kind of laid out the reality of the situation. It's not easy. But he told me straight up, the real goal is to be with the full national team. And of course, that's the goal. We talked about soccer for a little bit longer. We talked about his coach, his current coach, actually, Caleb Porter, and somebody that's actually somebody he's played for previously, and he talked a little bit about that experience as well. We talked about the city of Portland, and then the interview took an unexpected turn, and I wasn't prepared for it at all. Uh, (laughs) This guy went bankrupt, and this guy lost all his money, and this guy had to foreclose his house. That was all part of a story that Amobi started to tell me when I asked him what he does in his spare time, and I was a little confused. Why would this professional soccer player start talking about all that? Well, Amobi is also a student, a businessman, and an investor. And after watching an ESPN 30 for 30 called Broke, he was curious to find out what other professional athletes were actually doing with their money. Amobi told me, I was trying to find positive stories, but all he could find were negatives, like those stories that I just mentioned. So he took it upon himself to change that. So on top of being a professional soccer player in Major League Soccer, he now runs a website called Frugal Athlete, and he says the purpose is to promote financial literacy. A line from the About section of his website describes Frugal Athlete, sorry, uh, a line from his About section of his website describes Frugal Athlete uh, 
as an insider's look into the personal financial playbooks of professional athletes. It was fun for me to talk to Amobi for the first time. I've never never talked with him before. But he's pretty familiar with 343, though. And when the interview starts, actually right away, you'll hear him tell some stories about facing off against some of Brian Clyburn's teams back in the day. And it never fails to amaze me how small the soccer community really is. How crazy is it that Amobi Okugo, just some guy that I hit up on Twitter, has actually played against and is familiar with Brian Clyburn in 343. It's it's crazy. Um, but in honor of Amobi's frugal ways, I feel like it's appropriate for me to remind you of our free online coaching course. Yep, I said free. You can't get much more frugal than free. It's seven simple lessons containing information that is applicable from U9 all the way up to the professional level. These are the building blocks upon which the entire 343 identity was developed and is today. And you can find that free coaching course at 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343coaching.com. Well, I guess that's not all numbers. So 343, those are the numbers, and then the letters coaching.com. 343coaching.com. Got it? Cool. All right. Uh, let's get to the good stuff. I hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast with Mr. Frugal Athlete himself, Amobi Okugo. Yo. Hey, how's everything going? Good, man. I was just in the middle. Of, I was just in the middle of typing to you too. I was like, you know, don't worry about the, don't worry about doing video. We just need audio. And then your okay, picture perfect. pops up, and you're you're in a nice suit and <laughs> all dressed up, man. <laughs> to get the profile ready, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, well, thanks for uh, thanks for giving me a call, man. I'm excited. No, nah, nah, thanks for having me. I always follow you guys on this page. I know uh, Gary and Brian pretty well, so it's finally good to connect with you as well. Yeah, and Gary, when when I told Gary um, I was going to be interviewing you, he he wanted me or he wanted to get a chance to talk to me about like your guys's history because I think Brian has coached against you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in the past, and Gary and I weren't able to 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 get on a call before this happened. But I'm going to try to talk to him either tonight or tomorrow and get a little bit of the backstory. But I don't know. Do you do you remember playing against Brian's teams or? Yeah, so we used to play against each other. He had, like, a good group of the SoCal kids that, like, I knew growing up. Um, a lot of them went to UC Irvine, UC Riverside, uh, Santa Barbara, a couple even at UCLA. So there's a couple showcases where it's, like, the top teams in NorCal would play the top teams in SoCal. And whenever we played his team, it'll, it was always a battle, like, trash talking back and forth, good soccer, good play. So uh, we just we just knew each other from there. And then like when, uh, we all went to college and started playing against each other, we all recognized each other from like those youth games. And it was just, it just carried over like the, the battles and the fouls. And so that's how like our soccer relationship started with those guys. But, but like in a good way though, too, like I, I recognize like a lot of times you guys are, I mean, you guys are interacting on social media and you guys are, you guys are kind of like BSing with each other still too. Okay. Yeah, it was it's, it's all it's all mutual respect, you know. When you step on the field, it's always like the trash talking and stuff. But we always knew when we played his teams, it was going to be a battle. So like we brought we brought our A level, and uh, they brought their A level. And then whenever we're off the field, we joke around and stuff like that. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like a what is it? A game recognizes a game. 
Exactly. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe what I'll try to do is I'll try to have a conversation about about like those early days when you guys were youth players. I'll try to have a conversation with Gary or Brian and add that okay. into like the the intro of the podcast or something. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. They they swear I'm a, they swear I just hack, but it's, just, <laughs> it's smart it's smart fouls that they that they couldn't they couldn't deal with. No, hey, so so you uh, you would have been like marking it like Choco then, exactly. Yeah, so me and him always had battles in the midfield. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's that was their that was their star player. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome. Hey, so it's game day for you. Yes. What uh, what's on your schedule for today then? So we just woke up, um, especially with the, the the night games. We have a we have a late breakfast or like early brunch, and then basically you know walk and stretch and then just chill. You know a lot of guys have different routines, but I like to just keep it low key. So I just got done watching the the first Confederation Cup game, and then now might take a nap and then just get ready for the game, focus and just stay low key. You guys are obviously probably at a hotel or something. Yes, yes. So we stay in a hotel. Depending on um, where the game is, we go either two days or one day before, uh, have a little light session and uh, watch film and then get ready to try to get the win. Are you uh, are you a superstitious guy? You have like a, uh, have like a game day routine that you have to go through yeah. to get your mind right? Yeah, I'm low-key superstitious. I mean, in terms, <laughs> <Low key. laughs> in ter- in terms of game day stuff, um, nah. I'm not really uh, superstitious in that sense. Like, the only thing I do is just call my parents before each game. Like, I mean, I call my mom, then I call my dad, and then my dad always wants to coach me before the game, whether I'm playing or not playing. He's, like, always telling me what to do. So I call them before the game, and then that's basically it. What, what, does, your dad, what does your dad say? I'm curious. <laughs> uh, depending on where I'm playing, he just says, make sure you make an impact, be aggressive. He says, don't be slow on your feet, be clean and he can go on and on. Even if I have a perfect game the day before, he'll find something. So it's always good to talk to him to make sure, like, I'm on my toes or I'm ready to play. Has, has he always been like that? Oh, yeah, he's always been like that. But uh, It's been good. So I always call my mom first because she's, like, the one being like, play well, say a prayer, do that. That my dad's, like, the stern one. What? When, when did, I guess, your dad... Or your mom or you, I guess, realized, like, you were, like, a special player. And when did that – see, that's not, th- that's not the right way to ask that question, actually. Let me, let me backtrack. Maybe I should ask this. What did you or your parents do differently when you were growing up that kind of made you or shaped you into a special player? Was it, is there anything that stands out to you that maybe your family did differently? Uh, the only thing that stands out to me is probably when I was in uh, – like not even in kindergarten yet. My dad used to take me to the park and he'd like, well, we'd play soccer until I'd want to go home and cry. He'd make me do like <laughs> little runs, like just kicking the ball and stuff. And then that's when I was just obsessed with like always having the ball in my hands or in my feet, just playing with the ball. So I think that just like, like literally when we were growing up in Hayward, I was at the park more than I was in daycare. So and that started that started at a super young age. Yeah, like like right when I was able to walk. And if I, if I remember reading right, I, I, your parents came to the United States from another country, right? 
Yeah, so I'm first generation uh, Nigerian American. So both my parents came to came from Nigeria. My dad came before my mom, but uh, yeah, so first generation Nigerian American. How do you think that impacted your childhood? Oh, I think it impacted it greatly. I think just because from a culture standpoint, I feel like I grew up differently from most Americans. Um, Nigeria being one of the biggest countries in Africa by population and uh, having all my uncles and aunts and relatives like be involved in soccer is just like soccer was going to be the first sport no matter what not baseball not basketball not football so I think that impacted it my my childhood in particular Lee a lot do you, do you feel a connection to like like your African family or, or oh yeah most definitely yeah I feel a strong connection. Have you, have you been back there and been able to yeah. visit? Yeah, I've been back. I most recently went back in, De- in December of last year. Awesome. So it's been good to see all the old cousins, ones I've never met, <laughs> ones I've only talked to on the phone and stuff. Yeah, I, I never – so my, my dad is a first generation from Croatia. and oh, I nice. I never really had an appreciation – for I guess my dad's like family history until I went to go visit there and see like what he went through as as a child and and that country went through a, a massive war and and whatnot and now I, I just have like a, a way deeper uh, appreciation for for everything how, like how my dad raised me I never understood why my dad was raising me the way that he did and I, exactly I, I didn't understand that until I was about twenty years old. Um, and seeing that for the first time, it just like changed my perspective on, on everything. So, um, yeah. Did, did you ever have an experience like that with, with your family? Yeah, I think I, I, I can like relate to your stories in so many ways because last year was the first time I've been back. Like I can always joke with like other like first generation Nigerian Americans, like how they're raised a certain way or certain customs. But it wasn't until I went back where I was like, oh my gosh, like now everything makes sense. Everything's like clicking. And it just makes me want to go back like every year. If I had the time, I would go back once a year for sure. Yeah, I I, I wish I had more time to go back. But it's like yeah. like stupid little stuff too, like like the food. Like my dad would always make like this weird ass food like around Christmas time, <laughs> and I never understood like why. Like it, it smells bad, it tastes bad, and but it's like for my dad it was always it was just like I don't know like comfort food almost. Like what he grew up with yeah. as a kid. I exactly. never understood it, and and now I totally get it. So. Um, all right. I want to, I want to start to like kind of plug away some of the questions I sent you. I, I, I told you I'd add in a few more. Um, but I guess, uh, let's maybe start with, um, I kind of want to start with, with how you've been involved with the youth national teams actually. Okay. Yeah. No worries. Um, and how that even came about. So you're playing, you grew up in, in Northern California, like Sacramento Hayward. Is, is that right? Yeah. So I was born in Hayward and then moved to Sacramento when I was three. So basically raised in Sacramento. Okay, cool. Um, and then, I mean, club soccer in Northern California, I mean, it's been a big deal for a while. There, there's, yeah. there's obviously some, some big massive clubs up in the Bay area, but I never knew of like Sacramento of having like, kind of being on the the club soccer map when i was growing up and you're you're a few years younger than i am um so what what was it like playing youth soccer i guess in sacramento what 
what club did you play for, or how how did you uh, kind of get to the to the national team scene from up there? Yeah, so uh, yeah, Sacramento's a little bit smaller compared to like some of the bigger Bay Area clubs. I mean, I'm not sure if you heard of San Juan or Placer or Davis. Yeah. But the the thing is with Sacramento, everything's like so. Uh, like spread out like you'll have three good guys on one team three good guys on another team so it's like when you when they're going to like the bigger tournaments they're not getting seen as much so in my particular situation i played for my school team growing up up until fourth grade and then i went to my like local competitive team el grove united and it was like the similar situation there's like four four of four of us that were really good and then the rest were all right but there's like a dispersion of talent across sacramento so um, it wasn't until two la- two years later we all like we all formed a, like a super team I guess um, El Dorado United and uh, we won regionals one year went to the finals back to back regionals big tournaments Dallas Cup Surf Cup Nomads all those tournaments Disney and we did well um, and this was when ODP was still like relevant. So um, I tried out for the ODP team, started at district, made the district team. Then you start the uh, since California is so big, it goes NorCal, SoCal. Then I moved on to NorCal, made it. Then we moved on to regionals. And then from regionals, this is our U14 age group. So from regionals, they like selected the top top players from each region. And then we went to the first like under 14 identification national team camp and then from there i was one of the early like standouts i guess and uh luckily for me i was part of the youth national teams from u14 all the way to olympic team so uh, it was a blessing got to meet a lot of good players uh, a lot of my good friends are from that very first u14 camp and um that's basically how it started in all honesty a question i just wrote down as you were as you were telling that story you said you you first got into it by going to an ODP tryout. Did you have to pay? Yes. Did you have to pay for that tryout? Oh uh, yeah, you have to pay like the registration fees and all that stuff. That's crazy, man. So it's like if you wouldn't have gone and paid that little fee or whatever, then who knows? You would have never been in the U seventeen, U twenty, U twenty threes. Nothing. Yeah, it's crazy because like the ODP system, you did that, and then like right next to it i don't know if they still have the super wide but we had like a u14 id2 national camp so it was like the week before the the u.s national team like the real one u14 camp so i went to both and the id2 one i think it was like if you got like a recommendation from like two or three coaches you got invited or they saw you or something so it was was crazy to because a lot of guys that i saw at the other camp were at this camp so it actually helped me like in terms of knowing players before I went to the, like the real camp. Yeah. And all right. So from U 14 on you're, you're in the national team picture the, the entire time, um, up until about U 23. So what, I guess, what happened after U 23, if you don't mind me asking, uh, got to compete with the bigger boys, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Uh, can, I can't honestly say that. I mean, it's been a blessing to be like from um, be with the national team from U14 all the way to U23. But in all essence, that's all youth team. Like the the real goal is to be uh, with the national team. Like I'd rather be 
with the national team and forget being with the youth national teams all throughout my career. But that's another story. Um, and how can I explain this? I mean, <laughs> you got to you got to deal with. It's not just when uh, when you're dealing with the youth uh, with the real national team. It's guys from all over, different age groups. I mean, in a sense, like so. Say I've been with U14 all the way to Olympics. There's a guy that's older than me that's done the same thing that might be with the national team before, and uh, it all depends how you're doing with your club team, where you are in relation to your playing time with your club team, and who's already on the team, core guys. Role players. It's just a whole. It's a whole deal of things. And when you were called into U twenty three camp, was that was that by Caleb Porter? Was that the was that the that Olympic cycle where he was the yeah U twenty three guy? He was announced, but it wasn't. He didn't come until like the second camp because he was still with Akron. Oh, and that's right. Fin- finishing the season there, so I, our assistant coach, Coach Claudia Arena, he was the first like interim coach and then coach Caleb was the the head coach once he got done with Akron so yeah that was my cycle and so who was responsible for calling you into that camp then was it Claudio or was it Caleb I think it was Caleb I don't know how they worked it out but I know um, uh, I, I know the first camp that I went to it was like the initial camp with like all the guys coach Claudio was running it in, until coach Caleb came officially yeah and you if you bring that full circle now you're playing for caleb again uh what's what's, yeah, crazy. <laughs> what's that been like is is do you think he's evolved as a coach is he different as a coach or same guy just more experienced now yeah i think it's been great you know just to have that relationship when i was younger till to now i think it actually helps me out in terms of him trusting me and then knowing my abilities and then me knowing what he likes and what he doesn't. And um, in terms of him growing as a coach, yeah, I could see a lot of, a lot of differences, like just experience alone and like, you know, game situations, practice, things we do in practice that I recognize from way back and then new things that I picked up now. Yeah. I mean, both he's grown as a coach. I've grown as a player. So it's, it's crazy to see like, it come full circle in a sense. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I had a I had written down a question, but I can't remember where I wrote it. It was going to be about your relationship with Caleb. Um, I guess I'll just I'll skip on. I'll keep going. Um, oh no, no worries. <laughs> uh, what about? I guess one question that just popped in my head. You said you had like all these like. Like good like on-field rivalries with these guys during during college you only played one year at ucla though right oh uh, yes yeah did did you ever match up against nagby what did you ever play against uh, caleb nah. and and nah, those guys we didn't, we didn't play against them well i always joke about them if uh we would have if we would have played them we would have smacked them on the uh-uh. floor but <laughs> <laughs> they say you guys have they always joke with me like you all, y'all couldn't even get to the final four so we didn't even see you guys but it's all fun yeah they, they had a good squad i mean half their guys are in the, are playing pro right now so it would have been a good battle i think i remember the question i had written down even though i'm just not gonna be word for word how i wrote it but when caleb took over in portland so after he had he had been at akron um they kind of like the portland fans i think had kind of dubbed his style of play as like porter ball because at akron it was very possession based you, you could you could see like a clear identity um mm-hmm. 
Is there anything that's been different about like playing for for Caleb versus some of the other MLS teams that you've played for? Is is there like a distinct like Porter Ball style? Uh, yeah, I'd like to say so. I think Coach Caleb does a great job of you know, addressing the identity he wants to get on the field, whether it's um, the Porter Ball position style or you know the high high intensity, high pressure. Um, and uh, it's different for me because I I worked with him before. He was a head coach of mine, so I already have like a prior relationship to him, other than other coaches. Where so where was that at? What, what, what are you referring to? Oh, I mean, when I worked with him with the Olympics. Oh, and that's then right. now, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So, so that kind of helped me understand like his identity and what he wants out of a group of guys in terms of playing style. So. Um, that might skew my answer a little bit, but I can understand. I can see what he tries to bring in terms of the, ses- the sessions that we play and, as, and, and the game-like situations. So if it, what was different, I guess, about the U23 experience versus playing for him on a day-to-day basis in Portland? Did, did he have different different ideas for the U23 team than, than what you guys are trying to accomplish this season? I mean, I, yeah, I think so because, I mean, uh, the, the Olympics was tournament style. And then here uh, it's, you know, a long season. So in terms of the, the progression of when you want your team to peak, different things you're going to focus on based on the game before, the game coming up, I think it was, it's, it's been a, a major shift in the way, uh, the way Coach Caleb goes about things. You know, tournament style, you know, you're doing things – just to win win or go home so it kind of skews how you're going to progress throughout the course of the season and and you know the camps are only like weeks two weeks long at a time so it's not like he can work with you every day like when you're in a camp you got to get things done immediately and make sure the boys are ready immediately because you got to get i mean it's it's a tournament yeah i read somewhere that that you've actually coached a little bit yeah, I mean, I coach a little bit on the side, mostly just training, uh, personalized training. You still do? Yeah, yeah, I still do whenever I can. I think it's just good. I, they, my, my, my boys on the team, they call me a soccer nerd. If I'm not, like, watching a game or talking about soccer, I'm coaching or, like, training the kids. So it's fun, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I could be a coach in the future. That's, that's, I don't have the patience for that. Really? Yeah, you guys have you guys have to have a different type of patience. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. So, what is a what is a typical Amobi uh, personal training session look like? Oh, it's all it's all technique, all first touch, all uh, you know, turning. Uh, I mean, it all depends on what the what the kid wants, but that's what I focus on. Like quick, first quick step, first touch, technique, and like because um, I'm a midfielder, always like different ways to like turn on the angle turn on turn uh turn your shoulders and open up so do a couple of different variations of stuff like that ball work and then at the end if they want to shoot or if they want to work on crossing or depending on their position stuff like that that's 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 cool man i can't imagine what it would be like to be a kid that's that gets to be able to be trained by a by a professional player <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh, i guess i yeah <laughs> have, have you done that in 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 every city that you've you've kind of gone to? 
Because uh, you, you floated around a little bit in yeah, the last exactly. four or five so, years. Um, I've tried to do it in every city. I did it in Philly for sure. Orlando, I did it like a couple times. Kansas City, I mean, I was injured most of the time I was there, so I, I couldn't. And then Portland, now that I got settled in, yeah, I, I train kids. What do you think of Portland? Do you like it there? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, I mean, my dad actually went to school here. I got some family out here, and everyone's really nice. So it's been good so far. It's closer to home, and the fans are amazing. Food is great. It's a great uh, calm, calm city in, the sen- in, a, in a sense. So I, I like it. Yeah, I went to um, I went to Portland. I think like two or three years ago. I can't remember exactly when, but it was it happened to be o- opening day of MLS, and, and Portland had a home game. And my buddy and I we stayed in Southeast, and I think we had at the time U- Uber was like banned in Portland for some reason. Like they all the taxi oh. companies were fighting it. And, for real? Yeah, and and so we had taken a taxi somewhere, and it was like crazy expensive. So we're like, all right, screw it. We're just gonna walk everywhere. So we wa- we walked from southeast and we brewery taste or we, we tasted at every brewery we could until we got to the stadium and the stadium's in in southwest right yes yeah so no we, wait wait yes uh, yes yeah, southwest I don't know somewhere over there but it was it was I mean it was a long day and and by the time we got over there we were we were pretty tuned up when we got to the stadium but that was my first time seeing like Portland soccer culture and and it was super genuine like there the the fan base was. It was awesome to see the soccer culture that Portland has. and Yeah, they don't mess around. It's, it's great. My first game there, uh, literally, like, fans waited, like, three hours after the game just to say bye to us and, like, thank us. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's, like, 1130. Was that experience different than what you had at, like, Orlando or Philadelphia? Or? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to play with some great fan, fan bases. I mean, Philly, Orlando, Kansas City, they're all great. But like Portland, it, these guys are amazing. So to see that, like literally, like it's only like the players walking out in security, and you still have fans waiting. Like it's literally like eleven thirty. Traffic's like gone. No one's there except the people cleaning up the stadium, and they're still waiting, trying to say like thank you for playing for the Timbers. You know, we love your effort, stuff like that. And I just got there, so it was like, wow. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, like I like I said, I I think Portland and maybe like a handful of other like small pockets in the United States. There's there's some super genuine big soccer cultures, and yeah, Seattle I think is another one. I've never been to a Seattle game. I've been in Seattle on a game day, just to kind of see like all the Sounders fans walking to the stadium. That was that was really cool. Um, but th- those two places really stand out in my head as being like very very genuine like big soccer cultures and yeah it's, it's been good to play for them so outside of soccer man what do you do i'm curious you said you're a soccer uh, nerd <laughs> yeah so i mean like, you have you have portland dude portland's a big city lots of stuff to do there what are you doing so because you know i love school early so I, i'm i'm still taking my classes i'm scheduled to graduate in december um i do that so I, if if i'm not you know, watching a game or at practice or something. I'm taking my classes. I'm working on my like website blog type thing. Uh, I don't know if you came across it, a frugal athlete where I like just promote financial literacy and, you know, athletes and student athletes to be smart with their money um, across, across the nation, across all sports platforms. What inspired that? And, uh, I, I saw that 30 for 30 broke. 
And I mean, I've always been like business. I've always tried to be business savvy or like interested in business and entrepreneurship and stuff. So once I saw that and I've always been talking to a couple friends just about like investing and stuff. And uh, I was like looking around like on Google on different athletes and how they did with their investments. And the first things that were popped up were like this guy went bankrupt. This guy lost all his money. This guy filed, uh, had to foreclose his house. And I was trying to find positive stories. So then I just randomly went on Squarespace, made a made a website, started sharing some positive stories. And then now I'm like really trying to get it going. Like the first year was just basically just me messing around, riding when I could. But now I'm actually like trying to make it grow, trying to like promote awareness, trying to promote financial literacy. So that's um, those are the two things that I usually do, whether it's homework or frugal athlete. Other than that, uh, read, uh, binge watch on some Netflix, hang out with my girlfriend, hang out with friends around the, around the city or teammates on the t- teammates on the team. Um, Portland's been great because you know you have the hikes and all these uh, outdoor things you can do. So we go we do like the hikes and the the trails and the the good sightseeing spots. Um, other than that, man, just the regular mid. 20s kid <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what your what your lifestyle is like then being a frugal athlete so is there is there certain things that you pass up on that maybe your teammates or other athletes would, would typically purchase like have you purchased a house or cars or whatnot yeah yeah so uh, I purchased my first car so my first year I didn't have a car I didn't purchase a car until my second year um, I have a investment property in Philadelphia but I don't have a house yet. I'm looking at a couple options. Uh, other than that, you know, just trying to do everything in moderation, you know, not not go too crazy. You know, every uh, all those athletes that have like the Louis Vuitton toiletry bag, like I <laughs> I have my free Adidas one. So just just little things like that, like fine dining. Not I mean, you can fine dine, but I'm not doing it every day or going out every day. So just try to do everything in moderation. I'm not saying you, you got to live in your, like live like a live hella stingy. Just, just be smart about how you spend your money and how, like have a plan with your money. Because I mean, as athletes, we can 15 years. That's like, if you're lucky, the, the average is six to eight in soccer at a high level. So, um, yeah, just trying to do everything in moderation. When, when did that become an important part of your life like did you know right away that you wanted to live like a frugal lifestyle or did you grow up with a frugal lifestyle or is this something that's developing as you're as you're getting older now yeah I think so I've always been like frugal in a sense and then um like once I got drafted it like I I really got it put into full effect but it wasn't until um I got my second contract and then I started like, like a lot of guys that I know, just like outside of soccer, like in in basketball and NFL, like guys that would be in and out of contracts and like be on a team, get cut. And in those sports, like it's not like you don't have guaranteed contracts. So seeing what they went through and then reading up on stories, like going on Google and then seeing that documentary, then I was like, oh yeah, this is like this is like serious. So that's when I like really took a major effort to make sure, 
make sure I'm smart with my money, smart with how I do things, always plan ahead. Because I was in a situation where I got waived after I got injured at KC, and then I was without a club for a little bit. But luckily, uh, luckily my contract was guaranteed. So if my, my contract wasn't guaranteed, I would have been in a tough situation. So it's just little things like that, understanding um, how to be prepared. When that when that happened in Kansas City, were you thinking like like oh shit like I need a backup plan or did that ever happen? Nah, that I, ever was, I mean I, I was I wasn't thinking of like necessary backup plan because the, the way my contract was set up, I knew I had a a couple more years left. But it was just like I wasn't even expecting it because I was hurt. Like I literally Kansas City, I played I played one game, then the next game I started, I got hurt in that game, and then I was out for like three months and came back and then in the off season they let me know what was going to happen and then um i got waived but my agent in the back end was working on you know alternative plans and um unfortunately everything got settled later but it it, it was going to get settled so i wasn't really too worried about um having a backup plan in a sense how do how do you handle a situation like that when you when you're getting, when you get waived? Uh, you just got to be mentally tough, you know. I mean, in sports, anything can happen. So, uh, just got to be prepared. You got to trust in your abilities as a player. You know, a lot of people will think you're, like, down and out, you know. But, like my dad always says, all it takes is one game. All it takes is one year for a coach to see you. If this coach doesn't like you, that doesn't mean another coach won't. And if that doesn't coach, if that coach doesn't like you, that doesn't mean this coach won't. So, you just got to trust in your abilities. Luckily, um, my family, my close friends were always in my corner, and uh, it worked out. You're a super positive guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try. I try to be. I've, I've seen a lot of bad things happen to good players, so just try to stay positive and, you know, be hope for the best. That's good, man. That's, that's, that's kind of a refreshing – it's refreshing to hear that. It's refreshing to hear a guy that that's number one positive, uh, and then yeah, like like you're you're trying to be smart with your money. You're trying to become business savvy. Like these are all things that you wouldn't expect out of a out of a person that is a full time athlete. I guess not that you wouldn't expect it, but it's just it's just different to hear. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. What what if you if you could start a business after your playing career is done? What do you think you're gonna try to do? Or what would you ideally? What would you like to continue doing? Uh, I'm gonna be. Uh, hopefully, I'm gonna be a management consultant with an emphasis on sports. So I'll bring like um, whether it's uh, like I got a, like a whole plan of things. Sorry. <laughs> so it's like whether it's like um, so say like a team just fired like their general manager. They'll come to my company and like we do the interview process for a set of different general managers and stuff like that or say they so say that a team needs a new head coach or a new direction they come to my company and um you know we get a list of clients for them research them give it to the guys and stuff like that that's like my my end goal but we'll see what happens we've got a lot of things in the works you have a long playing career ahead of you that's why exactly exactly (laughs) so those are all back end yeah exactly um, uh, I'm definitely gonna I'm, I'm definitely gonna share your your frugal athlete stuff too in the in the write up for this episode. 
Uh, oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I I want to I want to kind of pick your brain real quick a, l- a little bit more about like game day. So you're you're in Minnesota right now. You guys have a game in about like five hours, four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at what point is Caleb going to call you guys in and, and have like your first meeting for the day or? Get, so get, we use, get the we usually together. have our we usually have our film meetings the day before, and then we'll have a quick meeting. Uh, before our pregame meal and then at and then once again at the stadium just to go over tactics and stuff like that and uh, just our our overall game plan and stuff but i the whole week is preparation for the for the games i mean unfortunately this week we have three games in eight days so it's been a little congested Jeez. but as a as a team like we always we we understand what what we need to do and um the job that needs to get needs to get done so the meetings are usually just to brush up and make sure we we are in tune with what we need to do and at what point during the during the week or or during today do you find out if you're in or in or out of the roster for for tonight's game oh it all depends you know it could be like a week before uh the day before um usually you know coaches is 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 great at letting the guys know if if you're going to get a start or if you're not, if you're going to be, you know, rotated or stuff like that. So it all, it's all at the coach's discretion. And what's, uh, what's the plan for you today? Are you in the lineup or? Uh, I guess you have to watch and see. <laughs> I'm definitely going to. Um, it, just a co- couple more questions, I guess. What would be like your, how would you describe your role when you're, when you're on the field? So with Portland, either like a like a defensive midfielder or a defender how how would you describe your role yeah so i mean i play both center back center mid so i think it's just you know i like to be the guy that's just solid you know you know what you're going to get consistent keeps the ball moving get it to the guys up front you know break up plays you know make it hard for the other guys i'm not i'm not going to be the guy doing 800 step overs and trying to score i'm just going to be the the guy that's sort of the sort of the linchpin, you know, connecting everyone together, being a smart player, playing the ball, um, being clean on the ball, cleaning the tackle, just being a solid presence in there. Yeah, man, linchpin. That's you are a business guy. <laughs> have you have you have you read uh, have you read Seth Godin's book, Linchpin? No, no, I haven't read it, but you should I'm read gonna it, put it on the list now. You should read it. I'll send it to you too, so as a reminder. Uh, Oh, good looks. If you're a business guy, you're gonna you're gonna geek out on that one, man. Respect. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, it sounds like you're you're hustling around. It sounds like you're you're on the move. <laughs> <laughs> so low key. <laughs> I just I just try to be low key. Like that's on the field. Like especially as a D mid center back, you don't want to be taking too many risks in terms of you know trying to play out the back. Like uh, I mean, not play out the back, but like dribbling out the back. You know, you're just trying to be you know, safe and simple. You know, the hardest thing to do in soccer is play simple, and uh, that's what I try to do. You know, just make it simple for the teammates, my teammates around me, to to shine in their respective efforts or their their roles. You know. Yeah, I got you, man. All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you get going because I know you got a busy day ahead of you. You gotta you gotta rest. Mexico's about to start in like 20 minutes. <laughs> See if those guys get smashed on or not. <laughs> oh no, they're playing Australia. They should I win. Know, the, the real, the real game is if they they got to beat 
they got to make sure they beat Russia or they just can't lose to Russia if they beat Australia. Yeah. No, the it's game, crazy because uh, they're trying to. They think uh, their coach is under pressure, and he hasn't even lost. He's only lost like twice. Yeah, or has he? He hasn't even lost. I don't think. Uh, well, since he's been there, I mean, they lost to Croatia, but that was a friendly. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's a friendly. Yeah, and it's Croatia. Croatia's stacked. So no, dude, we brought our kids that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real real quick then, um, because because uh, because you're kind of talking about it, I guess. How, how do you feel about like the like the media here in the United States? Do we put enough pressure on on you guys as players or or on our coaches? Uh, uh low key. It, I, I mean, <laughs> I've seen worse. I've seen, I've seen worse, but it's not like it's like. Uh, how can I explain it? I think. I think uh, I can go on a whole spiel. I think people are so fickle. I feel like if you say something bad, then, you know, passes might be like revoked, you know, or people might get mad and then you won't be able to get the interview and stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's just how it goes. You know, people are always going to have their opinions. People are going to, I mean, in in a sense, in media, that's their job to report. Like if I have a bad game, journalists isn't going to try to sugarcoat it and be like, uh, well, I saw Moby's ideas, but they just didn't go off. They're going to be like, no, he didn't make any of his passes. I can't get mad at that because I didn't make any of my passes. So um, I think as soccer continues to grow, more people get involved. It's going to keep getting better or not better, but more exposure, more, more remarks. And uh, you'll see, I mean, you'll see, you'll see it grow. Yeah, man. I don't know if that make any sense, but no, it does. I, I interviewed Taylor Twelman last week, and he kind of said the same thing. We're getting to a point now where the media is starting to trying to catch on, and, and the fan base actually can't handle like a bullshitter anymore. So the fan base is getting smarter too. So exactly, yeah. like you right, can't man. sugar you can't sugarcoat stuff with like. Yeah, exactly. Not at all. I hear that phone ringing in the background. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's my roommate. He's not here right now, so uh, my fault. No, no problem, no problem. I thought I thought you guys were just rushing around. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Who you, who do you room with? Do you guys you always stay same people or you mix it up? Yeah, so for me, it's me and uh, me and my Nigerian brother, Adi. So we just, we're roommates on away trips and yeah, we have a good time. We have a good, pretty good relationship off the field. So it's been good in rooming with him. That's good, man. That's good. All right. Well, uh, I think people are going to be stoked to to kind of get to know you a little bit more. Like I said, I'm going to share that the the frugal athlete stuff. Um, oh, thank you so much. And and hopefully people can use that as a resource. Is is there anything anything else that you you want to to get out to the listeners? Where where can they find you, or where where can they get more information about about you or your future companies too, man? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, Moby says is my Twitter. I'm usually, if I'm not talking about sports or soccer, I'm talking about like TV shows or books or just joking around. So yeah, I like to, I like to talk soccer. I like to talk shop. So you can find me on, on Twitter at a Moby says, uh, you might catch me joking around with, uh, Gary arguing with him about who's better Cristiano or Messi. <laughs> Who do you think? Uh, I used to be a messy hater just cause he did what he did to Nigeria in the U twenties, <laughs> but you just have to go messy. I, I'm, and I'm a real Madrid fan. 
Cristiano's like the best score we'll ever see, I think. But Messi's just Messi's just you can't even describe it. Yeah. Especially hearing stories of like Henri and other guys like say like Messi's the only guy like he's seen like get the ball literally from the center back, dribble the whole team and score and just act like nothing happened. So <laughs> Gotcha. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you making time for us on game day, especially, and uh, I'll be tuning in tonight. And I'll, I'll kind of give everybody kind of like a recap of uh, of the game too, because this probably won't go out for another couple weeks. But let oh yeah, no doubt. Let everybody know how the game went and stuff. Oh, I appreciate it. All right, dude. Good luck tonight. Good luck to you guys in Timbers, and and uh, and we'll we'll see you on Twitter and see you probably in the future as well. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, always good to connect with the three for three guys. So of course, we'll talk man. soon. All right, cool. All right, a big thank you to Amobi for joining me for this episode of the 343 podcast, and a big thank you to you for listening to this podcast. I really appreciate it, and I would really appreciate it if you would take just a little bit of time out of your day and go visit Apple Podcasts and drop us a five-star rating or on Stitcher or wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you have someplace else that you guys want this podcast, let me know because right now it's just on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. But a little rating would help us boost up in those rankings and help share this episode or help share this podcast with more people. And of course, that's always the goal. And with that, Maybe just one last reminder, too, about our frugal uh, coaching program that we have, the free online coaching course available at 343coaching.com. So you can check that out if you're looking to uh, to find out a little bit more about us if you're not already a member. And then we always have our paid premium membership as well. Uh, all right. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys next time here on the 343 podcast. <laughs>